live from the pod sphere it's time for oh. <laughs> time for what just you're supposed to say just animals oh i didn't know we were doing the game show intro Apologies. well you know i figured we we change it up a little bit do something fun i mean well it's your fault that you were on vacation and we had to delay recording yes. Yes, but I did see some very interesting animals while I was on vacation, but I don't want to steal the show, so go ahead. Okay, so I have another noise for you, and I want you to guess what it is first. All right. What is that in the background? Nothing. I'm, I'm... Is that a bat? Nope, not a bat. It has bat-like ears, though. Um, is it one of those Star Trek characters? Uh, Tribble? A Tribble? What do they call that? The Trouble with Tribble? Nope. I don't know. I'm a 40-year-old virgin, so why would I know what Star Trek stuff is? Oh, police. You're, you're, you're culturally, you need to culturally diversify. Um, I'm going to have to give up again. Okay. So, the African wild dog, not to be confused with the hyena, two completely different things. Um, so, yes, hello and welcome to Just Animals Podcast. I'm your host, Al, and with me, as always, is my dad, a.k.a. Guy. A.k.a. Hi Guy. there. It's, yeah, okay. Yeah, I was, I was Googling African wild dog. It, looks like a, it does have big ears. It looks like a, a Dalmatian that got, like, ruined with... Spots or something. You mean like an acid wash Dalmatian? Yeah. Is this like, um, so this is not a dingo, is it? No. Christ. Okay. Anyway, it, so. It looks, it almost looks like a hyena a little bit. But they're much leaner. Anyway, so. Lycaon pictus. And lycaon actually stems from the Greek word lycaos, meaning wolf-like, and pictus, meaning painted. So, obviously, the name translates to painted or ornate wolf. They're also known as cape hunting dogs, African hunting dog, or painted wolves, which refers to their blotchy black and tan markings covering their bodies. Okay. As for their size, stature, and description, they have a really big size range. They can weigh anywhere between 40 to 80 pounds. I also read that some can weigh up to about 90 pounds, or for you, uh, I don't know, what do you call it? What do you call it? Celsius, no, what do, you, what do you call it? Metric system users, that's 18 to 36 kgs. <laughs> Celsius. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? Whoops. Anyway, so, males and females are actually the same size. They're usually around three feet long and standing out. Oh, wait a minute, what was that word? When they're different? Oh, are you still stuck on this? Yeah. What was the uh, word? Uh, dimorphism. Dimorphism, right. Thank you. Thank you for card. Christ. Yeah, I, I should make a little footnote and paste it on the computer here. Dimorphism. Okay, anyways. So, um, they can be anywhere from 24 to 30 inches high. These spotted slash patched dogs with large round bat ears and bushy tails with a white tip at the end. So I don't know if you've ever seen like a beagle or a basset hound. Um, allegedly, they were bred to have the white tip at the end of their tail so that hunters knew that, they, that it was the dog and they weren't going to shoot it. I don't know, fun fact about dogs and markings. Anyways, so for reference on their size, they are the size of about a small German Shepherd. 
And like the human fingerprint or a cheetah spots, no two dogs have the exact same markings. This is actually helpful when trying to identify different individuals. It helps, it's helpful for the dogs and for researchers slash like biologists when they're studying these animals. Uh, let's see. Okay, I have a question here. No, what? Is the African wild dog an AKC registered breed? Probably not. No, because, well, they're not really a dog, actually. We're going to get to that. So, oh, my God. Another one of those falsely named animals. Right. So, I don't see you going into taxonomy and changing everything. Anyway, so what I was saying... Uh, where were we? Oh, yes. Yeah, so all the markings are unique to the individual. Additionally, they have black coloration around their eyes, which helps reduce the glare from the sun during the day. So, you know, like, you'll see football players or baseball players smear what kind of looks like shit across their cheeks. You know what I'm talking no, about? No, that's tar or some kind of black, black. Yes, go ahead. Right. Racist. Anyways. So, yeah. So, what? I don't know. Same process to absorb the light and, and like, instead of like, you know, reflect it or whatever. But anyways, okay. As for their coats, these long limbed animals, they have a very short and sparse coat, which again is decorated with yellow, black, and white splotches. Their muzzles are usually black and surrounded by lighter colored fur. Uh, they are actually related to, and by relation, I mean like pretty loosely related, but in the same genus. Family, it starts to kind of deviate. So foxes, jackals, coyotes, wolves, and dingoes, and even domestic dogs. So they're all distant cousins of each other, right? So did I, oh, wait a minute. What? what? Phylogenetic genetic tree. Phylum or phyla? Phylo, it seems like phylogenetic. Okay, well, anyways. So, while all these are related to the wild dog, it should be noted that even though the painted wolf belongs to the canid family, yes. family, they fall into a completely different genus. So, the aforementioned relatives fall into the canis genus, and the African wild dog has its own genus called the Lycaon genus. So, they're the only... What? of this genus they're, it's like the hyena they're their only they're yeah. they're their own species actually they're their own species yes so they are they cannot mate with domestic okay go ahead okay so in the wild they can live up to 11 years however in captivity they can live up to about 17 years but the average captive lifespan is about 15.1 years so that's actually pretty long for a dog especially one that's that large as for their habitat indigenous area and geographic range take a wild guess where they're from africa right yes blessing the rains down in africa so that's, yeah i'm gonna put that on oh, you you are Go so ahead. gonna get okay so these animals are typically found in very arid zones savannas grasslands and open woodlands more specifically, they are found in Africa's plains and definitely not in the jungles, which we're going to talk about why they do not go in the jungle in a second. Uh, as for why they typically avoid forested areas is because trees obstruct their hunting abilities. So the way they hunt is actually quite interesting, which again, we'll get to get away, dog. So they do not use the element of surprise or ambushing when hunting prey. Also, the largest concentrations of African dog, African wild dog populations, or painted wolf, whichever name you prefer, are in northern Botswana and southern Tanzania. 
and northern Mozambique. Smaller populations can be found in Zimbabwe, parts of Angola, Kenya, and throughout sub-Saharan Africa, like Chad and those countries. So their distribution is from the Sahara to South Africa. However, their range has become limited over time. It was thought that these animals once inhabited around 49 different countries in Africa. However, today's estimate is around 10 to 25. And they're, they're endangered. No shit. So their territory ranges around- They're threatened. Thank you. Yeah. Anything else you'd like to add? No, this is a strange animal that's called a dog, but, oh no, it is the Kennedy, can, can, Kennedy, Kennedy family. Yeah. It's yes. the tribe. Okay. Okay. Okay, yeah. well anyways, you can, you can do hooked on phonics later. Do your hooked on phonics later. Yeah, so right. the territory range is around 1,500 kilometers squared or 930 square feet, which to put that into perspective for you Europeans, that is an area larger than the greater London area. Or for us Americans, it's an area almost as big as the state of Rhode Island, which for the record has an area of 1,214 square feet. So basically their, their range is a little bit smaller than the state of Rhode Island, which is pretty big. Correct. Right. Have you been to Rhode Island? Yes, I did. There's a, the oldest uh, temple in the United States is on Rhode Island. Oh, of course the Jews settled Rhode Island. <laughs> okay, so for diet and how they hunt. Wild dogs are opportunistic carnivorous predators, obviously. They tend to prey on animals that are around twice their size, and they are able to do this because they hunt in packs. According to Africa Wildlife Detective, they are considered to be one of the most efficient hunters in Africa, if not the most efficient hunters. Um, their kill rate... Oh, actually, we'll get to that in a second. So... Some of the larger animals they are known to eat include wildebeest, zebra, impala, antelope, gazelles, ostrich, and warthogs. When on their own, they will eat smaller prey such as rats, birds, rabbits, and lizards. While most dogs are scavengers and opportunistic eaters, the African wild dog will not scavenge, believe it or not. You know what scavenging is, right? Oh, uh, yeah, you, there, you had a word for that, too. Carrion? You're eating a carcass that someone else killed. What's yeah, left over? Hello? Yeah, Kirk to the Enterprise. Yeah, there you are. Come in. Yes. So, yeah. So a scavenger is like, you know, like a buzzard. Like, oh, hey, dead body. We got a dead one. Let's go eat it. Anyway, so they are not scavengers. They will not touch food that has been killed and that they did not kill. They didn't kill it, not eating it. Which I respect that. So the African dog, again, like I said, will not scavenge. Even if the animal has just been killed, like let's say you know, a lion just took it down or something, they won't touch it. So some animals will save a carcass for later. These dogs do not. It has been found that if they do cache their kill, they will rarely return to it. So it's pretty much kill, eat, be done. All right. Right. So true to their opportunistic nature, though, they will go after weak, sickly, or wounded animals, which is not mm. only good for the dogs because they have a meal, it is also good for the environment and the prey species because it, you know, you got to weed out Darwinism at its finest, right? Right. Oh, oh shit. I'm sorry. Oh, 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 sorry. I'm sorry. What are you doing? Hello? Yeah, what the hell? Boy. I'm screwing up here. Can you hear me? Yes. Did you have an accident? 
Uh, no, I didn't have an accident. I was trying to queue up something and, uh, and it started talking before I was prepared for it to talk. This is why we can't have nice things. There you okay. go. Sorry. Stop That's touching. Shit. Put your hands, sit on your hands. Okay. There you go. All right. So, one would think these animals would have a hard time regularly going after prey that is not only faster but larger, usually around five times their size than them. However, thanks to cooperative or group hunting, they are successful. By hunting together and cooperating as a group, they significantly increase their chances of success, which gives them a success rate of about 70 to 90 percent, which is pretty high for any sort of predator. The, the success rate is usually kind of like 50-50. And um, it seems like their average success rate for a hunt is... 80 to 85 percent which again is extremely high so these dogs are unique in that they hunt by sight ergo they hunt at dusk and dawn when the light is out and they have been known to hunt during a full moon due to all the light that's being exposed and um since they hunt in broad daylight they usually don't take countermeasures of trying to conceal themselves their mottled coats are actually said to give them a much larger appearance so you know when you have a bunch of them coming at you it kind of looks like a gajillion of them and it does kind of help them blend in a little bit, but they're not shy. They're not, again, they're not ambush predators. They're just going to, hey, that one looks good. Let's get it. So when they- Hit it and quit it. Dear Christ. A James Brown reference. Oh my God. All right, okay. go ahead. When they are approaching- when they are approaching their prey, they will use a quiet and slow trot while keeping their heads low and ears back. They only start running when their prey flees. Sometimes a pack will actually... Now, this is where their intelligence really starts to show. Sometimes a pack will bum rush a herd and then wait and watch to see which members of that particular group are the slowest. Or, hey, that one has a bum leg. Or, wait, that one's kind of sick. Let's go after that one. So they'll just, you know, they'll spook them and then just kind of sit and play the waiting game and scope out their next meal. So, typically... The dominant male or female will then choose their target and pursue it, thus causing all the other pack members to follow in lines behind the leader. The pack will usually chase its prey for around two to three miles before it tires. Hello. And then, yep, here we're here. Okay. Two, well, occasionally another tired. dog will select a different prey and take part of the pack on another chase for a different animal. When this happens, the pack splits and sometimes will make multiple kills. So during a hunt, a group of dogs will run close to the prey while others follow behind. As members get tired, they switch out. So it's like, hey, I need to take a breather. All right, tag, you're in. So in a sprint, in, a, um, in an all-out sprint, their prey can easily outrun them. However, their strategy is to outrun their prey or basically, you know, have more, basically who has the most endurance and stamina, which it's usually the dog. Um <laughs> If their prey is small enough, an individual will pull it down alone. If it is a larger animal, the dogs will run alongside, slashing its rump to slow it down and allow more dogs to catch up. The dogs then bite chunks out of the legs and flanks of the prey, and they ultimately end up disemboweling it. How lovely. Right. Is that where they start at the disemboweling? What? Is that where they start with disemboweling? It would seem they like to start near the ass. Yeah. Asked to <laughs> so the animal immediately goes into it's actually a pretty humane way of you know taking them out you know once that happens you're kind of done so unlike large cats that suffocate their prey their method has actually given them a bad reputation however their method of killing like i said is quick and efficient 
by immediately tearing into their prey as soon as it's down, and they avoid having it stolen by hyenas and avoiding other conflict. As for solitary or pack animals, take a wild guess. Oh, dogs are pack animals, of course. They hunt in packs, they live in packs, they socialize in packs, totally pack. It's like super pack. Right. So in case that hasn't been made clear, they are pack animals. So packs can range in, a si in sizes from 6 to 40 members, although it seems that the most common sizes are around 10 to 25. Very interesting social dynamic, which we'll get to in more of our behavior section. Oh, they have an interesting dynamic, yeah. Go ahead. Thank you. There is a hierarchy in the pack structure. The pack is led by the monogamous alpha breeding pair. Monogamous. Wow. We're, we're talking like about another set of animals like this that have a one breeding pair. So as behavior and reproduction, they're diurnal, meaning that they are active during the day. Typically, they are most active in the morning and late afternoon. They tend to rest in the shade during the middle of the day when it is the hottest. As mentioned before, they have an alpha pair breeding system, meaning that only one pair out of the entire pack will reproduce. The rest of the pack then helps raise the pups. First of all, I am not helping with no damn kids, but that's just uh, it takes a village. Yeah, no, I no. You you have your, you take your kids and go somewhere else. So typically well, you have baby, built in babysitters. Pass. So typically pack will have more males than females. The African wild dog is known as the world's most social dog, doing everything in a group. These animals are more social than lions and hyenas. The painted wolf's cooperation extends beyond hunting. These highly intelligent creatures let the young and ill feed first after successfully hunting their prey. They will even bring back and regurgitate food for the members who are unable to participate in the hunt. Um, and for also to those that are too old or wounded and sick. That's a nice thing to do. I don't even know people that would do that. Yeah, when I I would not let you eat after I ate, you got whatever left over when I was done. It's you know me first, then you. How many diapers did you change? None. Uh, I don't have my tally here. I have to check my computer. Yeah, so it's probably like negative. I'll tell right. mom. Anyways, so they are some of the least aggressive animals between pack members. Even when feeding, they are more than happy to share with all the pack members. Fights usually only happen due to two females fighting over breeding rights. Additionally, they are not territorial. territorial they do not mark like a dog would normally. For a hunt, they have a playful ceremony to get everyone amped up and ready to go. So, Is that that they do like a haka dance? Yeah, an African wild dog haka where they kind of bounce around. and Right. Hey, okay. that, that, you know, those noises that you played, that didn't even sound like a dog. Didn't sound like what we think is a dog. Because they're not dogs and they chirp. Anyways, can you wait till we get to that part? Yes. Yeah. So, uh, additionally, both adults and pups will participate in play. As for reproduction, of course, only the breeding pair will reproduce, which is usually between January to May. They reach sexual maturity around 12 to 18 months. They have a gestation period of 60 to 80 days, and they can have anywhere from 2 to 20 offspring. Well, here's an interesting fact about breeding. It says wow. African wild dog populations in East Africa appear to have no fixed breeding season, whereas those in Southern Africa usually breed during April, July period. That's interesting that the Southern ones have a breeding period and the East ones don't. Yes, we're going to get to that. Okay. Anyway. 
So the average is usually around eight pups, and the pups are weaned sometime between 35 to 90 days. Before being weaned, the pups stay in their den with their mom for about a month. But once they come out of the den, they are the entire pack's responsibility. Pups not only nurse from their mother, but also from other females in the pack as well. Females. Well, see, we didn't do that with your brother and with your brother and you. I would hope the fuck not. <laughs> hey, you don't have to go there. It's try to keep it PG. Really? I think that's called a wet nurse. We didn't. If it wasn't. Didn't you almost kill one of us multiple times? I feel like you almost killed that? us. I feel like you almost oh. killed us multiple times. Me? Yes. No, uh, I think hesitated way too long on that, so that's definitely yes. Well, I did drive into a fence once that I didn't see, but you didn't. Nothing happened to you, and uh, I, I think that was the biggest thing. Driving into the fence, it's tired. Yeah, did some other shit to us too. Do you remember driving into the fence? No. Anyways, so, so females usually leave their pack around two and a half years old to join another pack that has no adult females. Half of the males will stay with their father's pack while the others will go find a new one to join. As for their means of communication, being the ever so social creatures that they are, they have many means of communication. They communicate via vocalizations, touch, and smell. As for vocalizations, out of all the canids, these dogs have the greatest number and most unique set of noises. As we heard at the very beginning of this episode, some of their chirping. So while they do bark, it is not the same as a domestic dog barking. It's usually a much lower and gruffer sounding, uh, which varies depending upon its intended purpose. It's usually made to signal alarm. They also have a howl or who-owl-like call that can be heard by humans over a mile away. This call is used for locating together and can signify distress. Each member also has its own unique call so that it can be identified, just like our emperor penguins. They all have their own unique calls so that someone can find them. Remember that? That's not, I do remember that. That's, that's nice. Okay. But I don't know how you hear when you have thousands of penguins all chirping. Everyone's call is different. Yeah, so, well, you got to focus in on that frequency. Right. So this call has been observed being used when um, an animal is in mourning and can last for days. So, um, I'm trying to think. Oh, yeah, this this like howling call. So, yeah, these animals, like if a pack member dies, they will go into mourning much like humans do. And they'll just kind of cry and wail. As wow. for these weird chirps, this signifies happiness and are usually done when greeting one another. Sneezing, while not a sneeze in the traditional sense, it has been found to be used as a vote in terms of wild dog democracy. So I actually found a really interesting article on this and the purpose of it which I will post in the description of this episode. You can definitely check it out. It's really cool, actually. So the researcher found that the, um, that the more sneezes that occur, the more likely it is that the pack is going to move and start hunting. Um, so kind of like what Otto will do, our dog, he will, if, when he's ready to go out, he'll just kind of stand and look at you and just start sneezing. Um, <laughs> and then pee on the floor. What? And then pee on the floor. No, he doesn't pee on the floor. He doesn't anger pee? No, thank God. Not no. like wrestling. Okay, no. as for touch. So nosing each other, licking, etc. Even in the oppressive African heat, they will still be huddled together napping in the shade, which I don't know how the hell they do that. Um, smell. So they have a very strong body odor, although it's been pretty common to like wild animals usually just kind of have the, that wild animal stink to them in general. 
You haven't noticed that? I haven't gotten next to too many wild animals except for, you know, when you go to the petting zoo and you got the goat and the sheep. And that is a pet. Okay, so they, um, this odor actually allows dogs that have been separated from the pack to track their way back using smell. It is still unclear why they do have such a pungent odor and the purpose of it. However, it is definitely there. So, you know, maybe someone will make a really fancy perfume one day. So, true to all canids, they growl, howl, cackle, squeal, yelp, whine, moan, rumble, and they also will do begging cries. As for their unique characteristics and traits, one other thing that is special about their coats is that they have no undercoat, which dogs like huskies and wolves have, and their coat only consists of guard hairs. These hairs are stiffer, harder, smoother, and tend to be longer and thicker than soft undercoat fur. So unlike other dogs, they only have four toes on each foot. All other dogs slash canines have five toes on each foot. They do don't have a dew claw. Damn it, yes, exactly. They do not have dew claws. No dew claws for them. Guess how fast they can run. Uh, I'm going to say these guys can probably go 40, nah, maybe 30 miles an hour. So when they're on a chase or, you know, yeah. running something down, they can run, their average is usually 37 miles per hour for over three miles when pursuing. That's pretty running. fast and a pretty good day. Uh, what they call that? A marathon endurance runner? Uh, not longevity. <laughs> endurance. Endurance. That's the word I'm looking for. Right. So basically, if this thing decides to come after you, might as well just lay down and die because you are not outrunning it. Uh, as for their ears, their large, round, satellite dish ears serve multiple purposes. Not only do they have excellent hearing because of them, but they also help cool the dog off. So they release excess heat from their ears. And like you had stated earlier, in Southern Africa, the dogs only breed once a year, and they will den during the winter months of June and July. Quiet, you. Um... They are always on the move, which unfortunately is part of the reason why their numbers are dwindling. Just to reiterate, one single pack will inhabit a range roughly the size of Rhode Island. So, you know, there's only so much room. And especially when you think about humans and inhabiting and farmland and all that kind of stuff, that's kind of driving them out. Um, as we stated earlier, although they are in the Canid family, they are neither dog nor wolf. They are, in fact, their own genus and species. This is because they're the only extant species of a very distant evolutionary branch meaning their genetics differ just enough so that they are unable to breed with dogs and wolves. As for their bite force, guess. Uh, 935 PSI. No. Really? More or less? Less. Okay, 643. They just saying numbers. No, so they have a bite force, 317 PSI. Wow. Interestingly enough, but I mean, if you think about it, for a 40 pound animal, that's a lot. Yeah. I mean, that's going through your arm for sure. So interestingly enough, they have the highest bite force quotient, which is the regression of the quotient of an animal's bite force in newtons divided by its body mass of any predator in the order carnivora, which, by the way, includes lions, tigers, and bears. Oh, my. God damn it. I knew you were going to say it. <laughs> So, just to put that into perspective, this they can mess you up if they choose to. Uh, so, this great force and their large premolars allow them to crush bone and gain nutrients from it. I feel like if anything that eats bone, you probably don't want to mess with. So, 
Next to the gray wolf, they are the largest canid in existence. And again, as for their four-toe thing, they do not have dew claws, like you so accurately guessed. As for fun facts, they are, well, this is kind of more sad than it is fun, but they are the second rarest large carnivores in Africa. We will discuss why this is in our conservation section. Yeah. They're, what? No, I was looking ahead and uh, it's, um, go ahead, you do your thing. Yeah. yeah. So they're the most efficient large hunters in all of Africa. At an all-out sprint, they can reach a top speed of 44 miles per hour. The female alpha actually runs the show. Yay, matriarchy. Yay. Go, go. You catch it, kill it, we'll cook it. Bring it back. Okay, so she will lead the pack until she dies. Once she dies, oh the pack... Yeah, right? There you get there's I guess there's no uh mutiny or you know like in, no coup d'etat in this world. If Shame. mama ain't happy, ain't nobody happy. Right. So <laughs> once she dies, the pack splits up and the members go off to form new packs. Speaking of the alpha female, I read on Africa Geographic and I quote this is a direct quote from the article, um, an alpha female from a pack in Botswana who lost one of her forelegs during a hunt remained as alpha female for a few years afterwards, continuing to breed and raise pups while being looked after by the pack. For other predators, wow. this level of an injury would have been a death sentence. You know, kind yep. of like when a certain turkey incident happened in the backyard and the turkeys just kind of bailed on the one that was dying. <laughs> don't, don't, uh, uh, what do you call that? Uh, don't talk too much about that. The, uh, All I'm the saying is... The game might be listening. All I'm saying is I've definitely seen animals like see see one animal on the verge of death and they're just like, bye, oh, bitch. We're you out. did? Okay. Well, we don't want to go that same route. See ya. Wouldn't want to. They're dead. It's just like, oh, he gone. And she out. did. She did. Right. Out. right. So let's see. So they used to be considered pests in Zimbabwe. However, they have now become a symbol of pride. Thus, the wild population of these animals has almost doubled in this country, which is fantastic, especially since they have such a low number, or their population is at such a low number. Part of what makes them successful hunters is their coordination. They are constantly communicating their own location and the prey's location to each other. Furthermore, their high intelligence allows them to adapt to scenarios as they change during a hunt. I feel like humans could take a page out of their book. Like, a lot of problems could be solved if people just talked. Well, communications is the root of all issues. Any problem you have, you can talk and say it's communication and, and you will be right 100% of the time. Period. Yeah. But if you, oh, I guess, like, eh, okay. Anyways, so when hunting, the dogs have been known to drive prey towards a body of water um, because their prey typically avoids water. Thus, they end up turning right around to the pack. So it's either, okay, you can go in the water and get messed up by a crocodile or you can get messed up by the dogs. It's Try your luck with us. Right. So they'll do that. Um, additionally, pack members will also flush out the target animal towards the pack who are waiting to ambush it. So, you know, one group will be like, okay, we'll take the east side and you go wait on the west side and then you get it. So as for predators and threats, I mean, yep. starting with the top predator humans yay not so much humans i'm reading here enemies nah, and nah. lions right. lions wait that natural predators 
lions and leopards. And typically an area has a high lion population. The wild dog population is significantly smaller. Lastly, pythons and hyenas are also known predators, and they usually go for the younger painted wolves. Hyenas, yes. Spotted hyenas. It says here, now there's an interesting word I've just found. Spotted hyenas are important kleptoparasites and follow packs of African wild dogs to appropriate their kills. Someone's got to do the dirty work. And typically inspect areas where African wild dogs have rested and eat any food remains they find. So the spotted hyena will be around them. And what's interesting here, it says that a lioness attacked one of these dogs and then the dogs came and attacked the lioness and the lioness had to back off. I don't know why you would mess with the group. Oh, yeah. sidebar, fun fact about hyenas. So you know how man originated in Africa and you know why we don't have a lot of fossil evidence of that? Guess why? They eat the bones? Yep, hyenas go and dig them up and eat them. Interesting. So that is where our missing fossil record is, somewhere in a hyena's belly. Juices. Right. So food for thought for the day. Anyways, we'll have to do an episode on hyenas because they are actually fascinating creatures. No, I okay. think we'll do one on uh, the sea turtle, which is a fascinating creature because it's been around 200 million years. But go ahead. It's your show. Okay. Anyways, so... Um, so obviously humans, main predator. So again, like unfortunately, these an- amazing animals were seen as pests. And even by conservationist authorities, they were also like, labeled as pests um, for a really long time. So a lot of them were exterminated. They are regularly killed by livestock farmers. The livestock is rarely on their menu. If they are really hungry and really desperate, then they will go after farm animals. But typically, again, not on their menu. Uh, they also have been known to get caught in snares and poison that was set out for other wildlife. So that's the whole thing with, like, you have trappers. It's like, yeah, you caught something you weren't supposed to. Yeah, there's a word for that. Yeah. Like when a, when a porpoise or a dolphin gets in the tuna net. I love dolphin tuna. Oh, cool. Just kidding. I don't tuna. So, although they cannot, oh, and obviously habitat destruction. Hello. So, although they cannot breed with domestic dogs, they unfortunately can catch domestic dog diseases, which I'm not quite sure how that works. Although there are some diseases that humans can pass on to animals and vice versa. Like if you have the flu and you have a pet ferret, you will pass it on to your ferret and kill it. Fun fact. Really? Yeah. Wow. You better put a little mask on your ferret. Right. So as for... So they can get dog diseases such or domestic dog diseases such as rabies and distemper. Uh, due to the wild dog's incredibly social nature, the diseases spread through a pack rapidly and then wipes the entire pack out, which is really important. Eek. Right. So as for human encounters and conservation status, they are on the ICUN red list, which is really unfortunate. Um, according to Singita, which is an informational site from Kruger National Park, which is that super famous national park in Africa, where I don't know if you've ever seen like the wildebeest backing down that lion from across the river or something like that, but you should definitely just YouTube Kruger National Park and really cool videos will show up. So it is estimated that there are only 6,600, although some sites have suggested that there are as few as 5,000 African wild dogs left in the world, of which only 1,400 are adults. The main reasons for their low numbers are persecution by humans, susceptibility to dog diseases such as rabies and canine distemper, 
habitat destruction and corresponding prey number reduction and being killed by larger predators such as lions and leopards. The biggest populations of these rare creatures occur in northern Botswana and southern Tanzania. In the Kruger National Park, there are said to only be between 350 and 400 African wild dogs. Most of the wild dogs in the Kruger National Park occur in the western half of the park, where the um, granite soils allow for larger termite heaps, which is often where the dogs make their dens, which are in old aardvark burrows, believe it or not. So these, and the, I'll, I can't talk. So how, yeah. So they are incredibly rare to spot in the wild. However, there is a game reserve in Zimbabwe that it's going to give you the best odds of seeing them if you decide to trek down to Africa and go on a safari and you want to see African wild dogs, go to Zimbabwe. There's a really good reserve for them. So to date, there are no records of the African wild dog attacking humans. As for what you can do to help, you can go online and donate to the African Wildlife Foundation, and a link to that will be posted in the description of this episode. But yes, that is our cool friend, the African wild dog. If you have a chance, I highly suggest just YouTubing them and checking them out. They're really cool-looking creatures. Just imagine a really skinny hyena. Like when, you, when you look at the going back to the phylogenetic tree of the canine, there's a, there's a branch off this tree and there's an animal called a D-hole. You mean... Fortunately... <laughs> oh, it's a doll. It's not a D-hole. What is... Are you... <laughs> well, I was going to say, I'm glad they have a D-hole because they don't have an A-hole. Okay, badoom. Oh, my... It's not a D-hole? It's doll. <laughs> Maybe the ace is silent, huh? Do you know what a D-hole is? No, I don't. Wow. Okay. Dear a donut hole? Is that a donut hole? What do you think? I, I, I'm going to look that up. I don't know what that is to be Oh, honest. God. Dear God. Make sure you look it up on RedTube, though. Just type in D-hole on RedTube. Well, there's such a... No, I don't know. D-hole. Go ahead. Get, get, get the show. Okay, so anyways, that is our friend, the African Wild Dog. Sorry again for the delay on this episode. We will have another one at the end of this week. Thank you again to all of our listeners out there. Shoot us an email for suggestions, and we'll give you a shout-out on our next episode. And yes, if you can, donate to any sort of Aussie wildfire relief fund that you can. Again, try to make sure it's a local charity, not some like national one. Do not donate to Red Cross or whatever the hell their new scam is. UNICEF is pretty good, though, but I don't know if UNICEF is there. But yes, if you can, donate to the African Wildlife Foundation or to Australia. Either one is good. So, you want to send us off, Reiner? Reiner! Whoop. You there? Yeah. Were you hearing the music? Yes. Oh, see, I was trying to go with the out on the Africa. Right. All right. Well, it worked a little bit. Hopefully it didn't drown you out. Okay. All right. We will see you guys later this week. Have a good Kirk day. Out. Hey, share this with uh, somebody that you like or even someone you dislike. Africa has 551,559,773 views. Woo. That's a very popular video. Kirk out. Because white people love that song. Oh, they do? <laughs> 
it's like a white people anthem. Absolutely. Yes. Oh, it's white. I thought Hotel California was. No, um, it's definitely that song by Journey. Don't stop believing. Oh, please don't. No, that's sick. That's it. I'm sick of that song. But you're white. But I didn't. I'm not a Journey fan. I like a foreigner better, I think, than Journey. All right. Okay. Look up D holes. D hole. Yep. Okay. Bye bye.